Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to The Dead Parental Podcast, a podcast designed to open up the conversation surrounding grief and to ensure young grievers feel less alone. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with young adults from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. The good, the bad and the banter. what does grief mean to me and how have I have I tried to use it and those words just popped into my head you know grief is my superpower and it do you know what I think for every little milestone that you have in your life and you know every little success whatever it might be behind it is always the drive from the pain and hurt that you've come from Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. The voice that you heard then was this week's guest, Mark Lemon, who I am super excited to have on the show. Mark is a children's author, a podcaster himself, a grief and mental health speaker and an ambassador for Winston's Wish. So as you can tell, he's an extremely busy guy. In this week's episode, we go through Mark's own experience with grief and his own grief journey and how we kind of got into speaking more about his own grief after he started opening up again at the age of 25. He lost his own dad at 12 years old, so as you can imagine, it's been a hell of a journey. And it's amazing how he's now in the position where he's using this platform to open up the conversation surrounding grief and not just young adults, but also children. We also discuss how he navigates his grief and talking about it with his wife and with his children. And he gives some great advice for other young adults who are grieving the loss of a parent prematurely. Thank you once again, Mark, for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I hope all of you guys really enjoy the episode as much as I did. Don't forget to share the podcast with anybody who you think it might help. Thanks, everyone. So firstly, thank you so much for coming on to the Dead Prank Club podcast, Mark. I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm kind of excited to dive into your story and everything that you've learned along your grief journey um mm. and especially with talking to other people as well which is you know a huge thing in like learning more about grief um I was just wondering if you could please 
introduce yourself to the guests that they know who you are and probably kind of an introduction into what you do because you know you're a man of many talents as I know so yeah so uh, my name's Mark Lemon and I am a children's author uh, podcaster also and um, a children's bereavement ambassador for Winston's Wish um yeah, like you say, I've, I've sort of along the way, I've picked up a few things I've started to do, and <laughs> you know, all all kind of spurring from um, my dad was murdered when I was twelve years old, and you know, it, for many years I just wouldn't talk about it, and it got to mm-hmm. a point where I wrote an article for the Guardian newspaper a few years ago, and it kind of opened up Pandora's box for myself and my own grief, and yeah, I just decided to to write that article and it was a very obviously a very personal article and it kind of told everything that that happened to me and my family and mm. from then it, it just sort of sparked a fire inside of me to to try and help children make sense of the grief that they might be going through because like I said I was 12 years old um yeah. and like you you know it's this is a fantastic forum to be able to communicate and help others yeah I mean I can only imagine you know the way that your father died must have been kind of even more difficult to navigate because you know there's a lot of support out there for parents who have died from like heart attacks and cancer and stuff like that but I feel like you know with something quite so harsh as murder I think it must have been really really difficult to speak about and to have even spoke about it with friends and stuff because people just you know, people shy away from grief in general. Like, and I think that in itself must have been so hard for you to just, yeah, talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Like back in 1992, um, at the time there was there was only sort of crews who, even back then, were more of a, like a generic um, counselling um, charity, um, and they were fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you know, it. I think for me. I they tried to give me counselling too soon and like you say in the manner that my dad died um it was so shocking and so traumatic that I think a lot of my friends probably stood back from me and they didn't know how to approach it and so they probably thought let's not talk about it which as we know in this day and age that we're in now thankfully um the best way is to talk if people want to talk um or at least put an arm around or just let you know that they're there and for me, I kind of, I had, I did have that sense of sort of alienation and being different. Um, and even though sort of in, in, you know, in 2020, they say that um, in what one in 29 school children will be bereaved. Um, you know, I felt very alone at that point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I mean, what, what a difficult situation to be in. And yeah, like you said, it. so it was a lot, you were a lot older then, do you think, when you kind of finally maybe started like accepting your grief and the way that it had impacted your life? Yeah, I think so. I'd probably say I was around 25 because I went back to, wow. I revisited counselling and I I called mm. Cruz, which was just quite funny really calling them again and, and saying, look, you know, would you be, do you still do any counselling? Um, and they did. So I went and had around sort of six sessions and, you know, I found it really useful because like anyone out there grieving will know, you know, it never goes away. It's always there. And you just have these emotions and these feelings that are still, um, that still trigger. And I found it very useful and it did help me. 
But then I kind of swept it again, sort of under the carpet, um, and didn't really talk about it much. And then even when I met my wife around sort of 11 years ago, um, again, I sort of wouldn't talk about it much. It'd be very rare that we would discuss it. And then, like I said, over the last four years or since, since writing that article, it, it really did open up um, my feelings and made me realize basically that, you know, it's a lot better to communicate how you're feeling. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I listened to one of your podcasts, as I said the other day, um, when you were talking about doing some more episodes during the, uh, the current circumstances. And you spoke in that about how um, you sat and had a conversation with your wife about how you were feeling. And, mm. you know, I think it's I think it's difficult for most people to talk to their partners about their emotions and how grief still impacts their life. So, like, how did you kind of incorporate that into your relationship was it quite early days when you started talking about your grief and how it can impact you day to day or is it something that you've kind of learned as your relationship has kind of grown it's such a huge part of my life and it will will always be you know it's it's uh it's and and anyone that has lost a loved one will understand you know it's that big gray cloud over your head <laughs> and um but yeah, for me <laughs> yeah it's it's you know and and the, the sun's trying to come in and push it out the way but you know on on some days it's just constantly there but you learn how mm. to manage it and so yeah it's such a big thing that obviously i needed to communicate that to my wife sort of earlier on um because and i never i never really thought a bit about it as a mental health problem but mm. it is a mental health problem that doesn't go away you just learn how to manage it um and so Thankfully, my wife is incredible and she does notice on the days when I am feeling low or I'm feeling a bit, I don't know, um, anxious, uh, <sighs> stressed. Um, and yeah, the other day, like you talked about with that introduction to the new series, um, it kind of, I mean, it's great that she she pointed it out, but it also in the time that we're in with the coronavirus and and mm. uh, you know, for all this grief kind of resurfacing and it's sort of triggering for a lot of people, it kind of it triggered me. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I guess within our relationship, I'm just really thankful that my wife is able to recognise and understand that it's a massive part of me, um, and it always will be. You know, which is why yeah. I, I probably a bit like you. You know, as we we talked off mic. You know, it's very therapeutic talking about this to somebody else <laughs> who's experienced loss, you know. Um, yeah, and I was actually, I was talking to somebody earlier today who is going to be a guest on on the, the ne one of the next episodes. And he himself was feeling a bit anxious because he, he hasn't really talked about it. his mum died a few years ago and he hasn't really talked about it. But I said, look, I completely understand how you're feeling because I have felt your pain, you know. And so... Part, and I also said part of the reason that I do the podcast is because it is therapeutic. And so, <laughs> bit of a selfish it, reason, I'm the it, same. It, well, it, it is, isn't it? In a strange way, in a sadistic way, I guess. Um, yeah. To, to be able to talk to someone like yourself and say, look, you know what I'm feeling. And anyone else out there who is also listening in, um, I'm sure is, is feeling the same. Going on that, what have you, what kind of steps have you taken to kind of, I don't know, a lot of people right now are feeling, as you said, quite anxious and it even happens to me, I kind of felt a bit triggered by it. More in a way, it kind of reminded me of like anticipatory grief. Mm -hmm. Like 
when just before lockdown came, I was feeling very kind of low and anxious and agitated. And it just reminded me so much of when my mum had been diagnosed, but I didn't know when she was going to die. So it's like that kind of impending doom. Mm. So have you kind of incorporated anything into your kind of lockdown life at the moment that's perhaps helping you with those feelings? Yeah. Do you know what? I mean, it sounds quite generic, but exercise for me in the morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've got for selfish reasons I basically I come down I've got a, a little routine I sort of my son will normally be up he's nine years old he'll oh. be up he'll be up first you'll hear him like footsteps going downstairs <laughs> chuck the telly on and I'll go down and I'll sit with him I'll have my coffee and then I will um and I'll go back upstairs I'll put my gym gear on basically so it's kind of like a routine I'll go in the garden and I skip on the patio <laughs> um, nice. and I do about a thousand skips and then I go and I do a couple of other bits and and also I kind of I put put my headphones on and I switch off and I listen to a podcast or whatever it might be some music and for those 20 minutes that's my sort of time of the day to I guess focus and and uh more accept I guess what's going on you know think about the yeah, day, I think visualize the the part, day. Isn't it? yeah I think yeah. It, it gives me a space to be able to try and at least visualize how my day is going to look and um that's really helped me um definitely mm. yeah yeah I think I think we all need to kind of incorporate those kind of little routines into our lives at the moment kind of gives you a bit of sanity don't they um yeah, I'm definitely. I'm definitely the same where I'm kind of doing exercise once a day and, and I've got back into headspace as well which I'm absolutely loving at the moment um just those yeah. kind of 10 minutes I need to check that out just, actually headspace yeah yeah definitely I mean I, I find it difficult like it's definitely not it's not easy because you know they're kind of teaching you all of these techniques and visualization and stuff um mm. and I find myself it does actively engage my brain to kind of make myself do it um but I, I but I also kind of feel it it working like it definitely relaxes me and kind of sets me up for the day I kind of go into the office smiling rather than feeling a bit miserable <laughs> <laughs> It does, just those little things, you know, however big or small, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I do find a lot of people right now are kind of, everyone keeps joking about how people are making banana bread and things like that, but people are really getting invested into these things that are making them happy, which I think mm. is amazing. And mm. hopefully they're tools that they'll be able to carry on into a kind of day-to-day -day life, which would just be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great if people did carry carry these uh, routines on, yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Taking it back, um, to obviously when you lost your dad when when you were so young, um, mm. what kind of what did your childhood look like then from there on? Like, did you do you remember like lots of happy memories after that time, or is it all kind of like a blur? And like, how did your family dynamics change at that point? Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously it changed massively. Um, school life kind of carried on in a way I was back to school pretty quickly in terms of I think it was about a week two weeks later uh it was that mm. soon you know and if something like that happened these days I'm sure there'd be a lot lot longer but um in a strange way it I guess it kind of helped me get into some form of routine and normality yeah. um yeah. but saying that you suppress all these feelings and um you know I always said that secondary because at that point obviously I was sort of at the end of the first year at 
secondary school. So it kind of felt like my secondary school years were a write-off in a sense in terms of my focus and, um, you know, how much that kind of damaged me, I guess. Um, But, you know, in terms of my home life, you know, my mum was fantastic and she supported me and, you know, my sisters Mm -hmm. were were obviously dealing with their own grief um, themselves. And I think one big mistake, we probably didn't really talk about it with each other as much as we should have done. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure happens in a lot of families. But for us, it kind of felt like that. And so um, I guess we kind of just just got on with life. Um, But at the same time, didn't address the huge dark elephant in the room um, mm-hmm. as, as best as we should have done. You know, my, my friends were great in terms of, you know, they sort of supported me, but they didn't really, you know, they didn't talk to me about it. Um, but at, at secondary school, there was, um, I had a really great form tutor who was very supportive. And there was also one of the old headmasters who actually, they thought, okay, well, let's bring him back because, Maybe he can help Mark out with, you know, I guess in a strange way, it was like counselling. But I'd I'd go once a week and I'd talk to him. And it was quite nice because he was, I mean, he must have been about 60, but he was really good at, I guess, just sitting there and listening. Yeah. And for me, that helped quite a lot. That helped me quite a lot. Um, They're such formative years as well, aren't they? I mean, especially for a young boy, like the kind of the years that you want your dad around more more than ever, like you need them, don't you? Mm. Yeah, and I think that's why it was was even more of a a blow, you know, to have, you know, you're you're, you're, you're starting, you know, your teens and you've got all these mixed emotions and, yeah, it's just such a sledgehammer um, to, to becoming um a teenager and then and then moving into your manhood you know and it it really it it really hurts not not having a role model or someone around to look up to and just speak to you know and I think that was the thing I missed the most growing up definitely yeah 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 I think that's kind of thing we all like you know no matter which parent you lose you kind of miss the comfort that you you would have got from them um Mm. Especially because, you know, the, the other parent that you have, if you just lose the one, you know, they're left trying to be the mum and the dad, aren't they? When you can only imagine how difficult how difficult that must be. And I think we do find it hard to speak to our own families about it. And I think that's because we know too well how difficult it is. Mm. Um, you know, we do find it hard talking to friends and, you know, people that haven't lost a parent, but that's more because we don't want them to feel awkward or like uncomfortable. But I think with family, it's just that, you know, too well the pain that each of each of you are feeling which just makes it all the harder yeah and I, I guess in it in a way I was doing what my friends were doing to me with my mum you know I I sort of thought yeah, well, if I talk yeah. to her about it I might upset her and I don't want to do that so <laughs> maybe I won't you know so, <laughs> so um you know thinking back it's probably I mean, she just got on with things and she was very stoic and it was like right yeah mm. you know but in, in, at the same time she was dealing with her own uh grief with it all so yeah it's really difficult I've got, yeah I've got to say what one of the um parts of your story that is really stood out to me was um 
just after you'd found out that your dad had died and you ran to school and you literally ran up to somebody who had also lost a parent that you knew mm. and you ran to them and said like my, my dad's my dad's died and I think that in itself just encompasses the comfort that we feel around being with people who've experienced a similar loss to us and yeah I listened to that and I was like wow like you I feel like you, it was incredibly nice of you to be able to do that but also you know shocking that you had to do that so, you know, so young there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I mean, as you'll know, those memories stay with you forever you know, when you find out that the loved ones died and, you know, and I will remember those, those memories for, for the rest of my life, you know, and just going to the school gates and, and going straight to, and it is, it's really strange, you know, I just gravitated towards Kate, her name was, and, um, yeah. and, and she was a good friend already. And yeah, her died, her dad had died a couple of years previously and it just, yeah, I just naturally gravitated towards her and just told her, you know, and broke down. Mm. And yeah, you just have that immediate empathy with those that are feeling um, the same pain as you. Um, yeah. And that's why, you know, the podcast that you've created is fantastic because it's it's bringing young people together who might feel alone or slightly isolated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and vice versa. And I think one of the things that I love about your podcast and it's something that you know we really try and incorporate into into this one is kind of finding the positive sides of grief which I think are so important um and although they don't seem obvious in the first couple of like like years after you've lost a loved one um it is amazing how as you grow into your grief you kind of see how things are changing and stuff and yeah I mean any of my listeners that are listening should definitely check out your podcast as well um grief is my superpower it's it's fantastic it is really good oh thank you yeah I mean it's it was funny when probably a bit like you when you were thinking about the name for this podcast you kind of think okay so what does grief mean to me and how Mm. have I have I tried to use it and those words just popped into my head you know grief is my superpower and it do you know what I think for every little milestone that you have in your life and you know every little success whatever it might be behind it is always the drive from the pain and hurt that you've come from and that's sort of grief is my superpower encompasses that and so yeah I mean there there are positives out of what has happened you know it's there there is 
a, a learning, I guess, you know, and I've tried to use that. Um, and like you say, it takes time. No, you don't, you know, if someone dies, you don't just go, oh, right, I'm just, I've got a superpower now. But, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, you do, you learn eventually um, that, that, yeah, you can use it for, for good. And, and also, do you know what? And it's quite strange, actually, before I came uh, to do this podcast um, today, there's a lady who lives in our close and recently her husband, and they've been together like 35 years he basically fell down the stairs and died just instantly. Gosh. He was healthy. There was nothing wrong with him. And I was outside. Um, the kids were sort of playing outside. And I saw someone came and they took his car away. And she was stood there and she was in tears. And I noticed and I went over. And you know what? That's the really hard thing with everything we're going through at the moment. You cannot give anyone a hug. And oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so difficult and I so I said look I am standing here two meters away giving you this hug here um <laughs> because you know she was like oh this you know it, it means so much that car and all of that and it's sort of these memories and you know but I had that immediate empathy to her you know yeah. a bit like you yeah. would to me and it's it's definitely something that we we sort of grab hold of I think yeah. I've actually got a um a podcast episode that's called Grief is My Superpower and it was before I'd actually come across your podcast and it was um a conversation that I had with a guy from America. Um he was fabulous. He'd lost both of his parents at a really young age and he actually said those words in the episode. <laughs> he was like, you know, I've come to realize that my grief is my superpower and yeah. I'm able to help people and talk to people about what I've gone through mm. and I can see how it's changed me for the better. Mm. um so yeah when I saw when I uh, found your podcast I was like oh my god like what a coincidence <laughs> <laughs> so it's like very soon after I'd recorded this uh episode and put it yeah. live so yeah oh, it is cool. it is amazing and you know th- there is something incredibly powerful in being able to see the positive and in such a traumatic kind of experience mm. yeah definitely yeah so obviously um as you mentioned you have a little boy you're, you've got more kids, actually, haven't you? You've got more. I've got, more? Um, yeah, I've got two. So Otis and Thea. Yeah. 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 Um, how do you kind of approach speaking to them about your dad? Because obviously it's mm. their granddad. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not easy conversations to have with children. And yours are, you know, they're, they're young. But obviously you want them to know about, you know, their granddad. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's. I think a couple of years ago I had the, made the conscious decision that... I wanted my dad to be relevant in their lives, even though obviously mm. he's not alive anymore. So whether it's through pictures or stories, um, I have always tried to yeah, talk about my dad or kind of bring relevant things into the conversation a bit like, oh, you know, I like with Otis, we've been obviously we play football quite a lot together and and so I sort of bring in, oh yeah, I remember when I did that with grandpa and mm-hmm. you know, and he taught me this or you know, if I if if I'm putting them to bed and you know they can't sleep, I'm like, well, lie on your front. That's what Grandpa used to say to me. You know, oh. go to sleep. You know, so I sort of try to bring in those little elements to make him relevant today mm. and remember him. And mm. do you know what? I just think that's all you can do, really. Um, I, you know, with me also in the manner that my dad died, it's very hard for me yeah. to tell. Otis and Thea yet 
what happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. I'll know when the time's right. But even the other day, Thea was asking me, oh, how did he die? Where was he when he died? You know, and oh. I had to change the subject. Um, yeah. Otis is a bit more, okay, you know, he's sort of accepting. Ma- matter of fact. <laughs> matter of fact, he's died, you know, that's, but Thea kind of, she was like, it really kind of got me. And I was like, oh, oh. Jesus, this is going to, and I know when the time comes, it's going to be really difficult and it's going to be that next big thing. It really is. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, they know, obviously they know that he died because, <laughs> you know, I'm, well, where are you off to? I'm, I'm off to do some work on the podcast and, uh, oh, what's it called? <laughs> Grief was my food. Okay. And why are you interviewing me? can't them? really so avoid it. <laughs> I have to go into, oh, well, you know, they're, their brother died or their sister died, you know. And um, they're like, oh, that's sad. And uh, <laughs> and then that's, you know, that's kind of the conversation over. But mm-hmm. And also, you know, when I did write the article for The Guardian, we had to go and have some pictures taken um, with one of their reporters. And so they're obviously they're asking questions, what the article was about, all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really difficult. But I think the 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 thing that you can do best is basically just make sure that they're relevant in everyday lives and you know even for instance last week we went out on a walk and i've still got my dad's old binoculars and so the kids were like hey can we bring them out with us you know we're going to this woods and so we took them out with us and they still had that um little label on saying jay oh, lemon lovely. um and it was really special and not been too hippy dippy, but, but I was looking. I saw Otis holding these binoculars, and I was thinking, "How incredible is it that my dad also held those binoculars and looked through yeah. those lenses as well?" And yeah. and it just felt really special. It just reiterates the fact that they they were alive and they lived, which I think yeah. is so. It's easy to kind of get stuck in that thing of being like, "Did they even exist?" Like. Yeah you know because you hardly really speak about them and stuff and i think you know moments like that are like yeah they were they played such a huge part in my life which is yeah special that's for it's just gold dust and for me also being a dad you know i mean when i when otis was born and i first became a dad i I bawled like a (laughs) like a baby but (laughs) but, you know it just felt kind of extra special um Mm -hmm. because i you know obviously he was a boy just become a dad myself and it just yeah it really hit home um and I think through becoming a dad has really really sort of altered my mindset and my viewpoint on life and um I get I think in a way it gave me the courage to talk about what happened to my dad more um and and just cherish cherish every moment you know with the kids while they're young and all of that sort of stuff as I guess you know you, you would do um yeah I do I do think it's kind of amazing really that your children are kind of around the whole grief subject quite a lot. Um purely because one of the things that I've kind of come to realise and and I wish that I could change was is, you know, how little advice there is or information or how unprepared we are for grief at such a young age um Mm. even me you know I was 20 but what about all the people that I've had on my podcast who lost a parent at five at six at 12 like yourself and you know one you're not taught at school anything really about grief and two you're not taught how to support other people that are grieving like in your peers and um you know don't get me wrong it's a difficult 
difficult subject but it's something that everybody is going to have to go through and and unfortunately some of us have to go through that you know Mm. way sooner than others and I do think you know it's amazing what you're doing with like talking about your dad with your your children I think will probably prepare them for anything that might come when they're older you know obviously god forbid but you know I think I think it's important that we can give children these skills at an early age and I suppose that's you know kind of what you're doing with the book that you wrote as well it's obviously Mm. it's about grieving but it's just making it accessible to children yeah no that I mean that was the big part why I wrote the magical wood was obviously to to help any child out there that's experiencing the death of a loved one at a young age but Mm. you know also to open up the conversation in schools and with young people who um who haven't um lost someone because like you say it's an important part of life you know babies are born every day people die every day you know it's kind of the circle of life that we're in and so the more we can open up the conversation and and, you know that I do feel there's a bit of a a way to go in terms of educating um within Mm. schools and bringing up the subject and you know don't don't get me wrong it's really it's really difficult to talk to young children about it but I think, you know, if we hit sort of years five, six, um, yeah. you know, children at the end of primary, just about to go into secondary, you know, sort of how how we can how we can sort of talk to children about it, how we can, because I just think, the, the, like you say, the more we do talk about it, the more we, we, we raise it, it's not going to be that taboo that exactly. we do experience exactly. in this country. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, you know, the power of kind of teaching the child how to support a friend that might be grieving as well. I mean, imagine the change that that could do in allowing people to speak about it. I think it would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I mean, that's huge, you know, just to actually educate a friend or somebody who, who knows someone who's going through a really difficult time, you know, and it's basically just being there for them, recognizing the signs Mm. or at least asking the questions, because like, you know, more often than not, if someone at least just asks you, how are you today? <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm feeling pretty shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> or I'm all right. You know, thanks for asking. And that's generally yeah. what we want, isn't it? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, you know, all of us kind of struggle with being able to talk to friends about it. And that's why, you know, platforms like yours and like mine are so important because it's kind of like a friendly voice down down somebody's ear, Definitely. kind of just saying that it's okay to speak about it. And, you know, a mm. lot of people have no one. So it's mm. amazing that, you know, we're able to provide some sort of support um, during such a difficult time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So one of the questions that I kind of love to ask my guests, and it's quite, you know, a wide question really in the grand scheme of things but do you think that it's changed the way that you go about your life and your attitude towards it yes um it just makes me I think I just appreciate the small things a lot more as well as the big things obviously but um it uh it just gives you a sense of perspective um and like we said earlier it it can take you time to get there and see that but um for me, it just has opened my eyes to empathy, um, recognizing when someone is feeling a certain way, um, and yeah, just appreciating life. I think my, my I've, I mean, I, I don't know what it always was, but I kind of was 
was driven at an early age to um, go for something. Um, you know, like I've, like we talked about before, that I have, you know, like yourself, after talking to lots of people on the podcast about, you know, drive and how there are a lot of people out there who have lost a loved one at an early age or as a young person and they've gone on to succeed in things um, that they never thought might be possible after yeah. going through that unbearable pain. And I think that's that's the bereaved have this drive inside to... Mm. um to achieve not just for them but for the loved ones that have died and i think that is what has always burned inside of me is um perhaps the um not taking no for an answer or at least using that to move on to the next stage you know for whatever it mm. might be that i'm trying to to head for um but i guess essentially it's just taught me to appreciate life um just love that little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think love love is such a, a massive thing. And like after my mum died, probably about two years after, I kind of realised that I had this like so much love in my chest. And I think it was kind of like this like displaced. I didn't know what to do with it. And I just kind of, I ended up becoming so close to my extended family. Like I just had this abundance of love to give them that I kind of never really had before. I kind of took them for granted. Mm. And like I get emotional just thinking about like, you know, how much I care for my friends and for my family now. And I don't think that I would have had that level of care and love before all of this happened to me. Yeah. No, that's, that's so true. There is that love there that just, um, friends of mine did a, uh, created a documentary about their son and it's called a love that never dies. And that, that sort of title just really resonates. Um, Mm. because it doesn't, you know that love never dies that we have for them no absolutely not if anything it grows i feel like it grows, gets bigger. Yeah, absolutely. yeah yeah definitely um my final question is what would you say to other people that kind of experience such a huge loss at a young age similar to you and are now perhaps at a stage in their lives when they're kind of starting to acknowledge their grief and really feel it like they never have before yeah I just I just say be kind to yourself you know recognize those down days recognize recognize those up days and don't suppress them you know don't try and push them down ignore them just try to embrace it as best as you can because the more you try and suppress those feelings of hurt you know they, they will resurface later on in life so as I, as I always say, you're going through this incredibly shit time, but through this time, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you will go on to live a happy life. The grief will always be there. You know, that is something that pe- the bereaved need to understand is that it will always be there, but it's how you use it and it will ebb and it will flow. Um, but things will get easier and yeah i think that's yeah that's probably my only message it's just uh you know yeah. i mean hope hope the word hope just popped into my head i think that is a big <laughs> one just you know hold on to hope yeah yeah and i think you know i spoke about this on a podcast with somebody the other day is that when you're in that the deepest depths of like grief um and you see that see like that light shining above you like way above you you feel like it's going to be impossible to get to like you can't really picture a time when you could feel you know fully content 
and fully kind of happy again. And I think the most amazing thing is when you kind of get to a point in your life where you wake up and you realize that that weight has lifted a bit. It's still there. The cloud is still dark, but you're living like a, a happy life. And um, yeah, I think that's you know, such an important message to take away from it because grief can be so you know, debilitating. Yeah. And I, do you know what? I think also a good message is it's okay to smile on those days. You know, mm. it's all right to smile and it's all right to cry. You know, all of these emotions are just part of what you're feeling. And I think, and I probably felt it too when I was younger is, oh my gosh, I'm smiling. This is really bad. I feel guilty. Yeah. I shouldn't do this. You know, I should be miserable. But yeah. on some days you're going you're gonna to smile and you are going to feel happiness. Um, mm. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, thank you so so much, Mark, for coming on to the podcast. Um I'd love to direct people to where they can find you if you wouldn't mind doing the honors. <laughs> yeah, so uh you can find me on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud for Grief is my superpower. Uh you can also find me at Lemon Drop Books. Um you can also find me on Instagram as Mark Lemon Official. Um, where, yeah, I've sort of talked about grief quite a lot and um, I've sort of moved, moved. It seems like that's kind of all I talk about now, but I try and put a bit of hope inside. <laughs> I've put hope inside of, you know, all of all of the posts. It's, yeah. it's funny, isn't it, how you kind of gravitate now to things that mean something to you. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's the best thing about doing this podcast is that you know I'm doing something that I'm really passionate about and mm. I'm sure you feel the same with you know everything that, that you've accomplished and you know everything that I'm sure you're going to accomplish you know as a, as a kind of like grief advocate um you know it's amazing the the lives that I'm sure you'll be impacting and um you know it's great to hear that you've you know been through something so traumatic and you know you're at a place in your life where you can talk about your grief and you're kind of creating that safe space for people so yeah it's brilliant yeah and listen the the same to you you know it's like I said earlier there there isn't much in the way of support for young people and I think this podcast is fantastic for just just letting people know that there is this community and that there is that ear in a headphone (laughs) wherever you are (laughs) in a park on a train wherever you are that that um your voice is supporting so yeah congratulations on what you're doing thank you thank you so much thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the dead prank club podcast i so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today as always i would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals therefore if you do find yourself struggling with your grief i highly recommend that you seek out professional help whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well. If coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next week. Hold up. 
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.